everyone. Before we get started this week, just a quick programming note. We have a ton of request episodes coming up. Yay! And we're so excited. Request. We've been hearing from a lot of you about books that you loved and want to check in with us on. Um, and a lot of them are books that we love too. And many are books that we totally forgot about, which is the best feeling, that rush of the onslaught of memories and you just crumple in a ball in the corner and you cry with happiness at all the books that are out there. <laughs> That's how Grace expresses happiness. Yeah, I'm really fun to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> so... If you would like to submit a request for something that you think we uh, might be interested in covering, please send us an email at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com. You can also just submit a contact form on our website or get in touch with us on Twitter at dragonbabiespod or on Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast. It might take us a while, but we do want to get to our We'll requests. get to them. Yeah, we've gotten we've got everything written down to schedule now. We are organized and we are getting to it. We're really, really pumped. So yeah, definitely let us know. And now the episode. And I'm Madeline. And we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies. We reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they're maybe even better for adults. Mm. This week, we're discussing First Test by Tamara Pierce. Third Tamara Pierce book. Yes, and with this, we are completing the Pierce Holy Trinity, as I like (laughs) to think of it. This series covering the adventures of Alona, Dane, and now... Caledry of Mindelin. I love Kel. AKA Kel. She's so great. So we have a lot to say. Um, I'm going into this a little differently than usual. I don't have any notes. I uh, just kind of want to free will it because I'm excited to discuss not just this book, but Tamara Pierce's heroines in general mm-hmm. and how they each represent something really special. Um, so we'll start with our usual, do a quick marketing breakdown and plot summary. The old Random House Fantasy Editions are the ones we read for the Lioness Quartet, for the Immortals series, and now for the Protector of the Small series. Um, they have the wonderful realistic paintings of, you know, each one features the heroine, um, and each at a different stage in her development as a hero. Um, and they're really brightly colored. They're really fun. Uh, they do make all of the women look very beautiful. <laughs> they, <Yeah. laughs> chalk, they have just chock full. The covers are chock full of their sidekicks. I do love how many, like, yeah, animals, animals and sidekicks. <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, in Alana's case, there's always, like, weapons. Um, and in Dane's, tons of animals. And then Kel also has a special connection to animals, although... She's very different from Dane. She doesn't have a magical connection. She just has a natural knack because she's a protector. Yeah. But a lot of the animals she comes into contact with in these books have been affected by Dane, which is really funny. They're smarter (laughs) and they're ready for that friendship because Dane has conditioned them, which is great. So on this cover, we get Crown, the sparrow who becomes friends with Kel. Kel sporting a lovely purple bruise around her eye. Great bruise. um, After one of her many fights with the little... Pieces of garbage that fill the halls of the page and squire um, corridors. And one of the kittens that she saves from being eaten by a spidron, which is... I forgot the book starts out that way. It was rough. (laughs) It is a disgusting and compelling opening to a series. It's great. Great way to start it. So I'll quickly read what the publishing house had to say about this book. Rugover. Part school story, part fantasy, part animal story. This is a splendidly rousing feast. And you know I'm into it because the word feast. (laughs) She's waving her arms a lot. (laughs) I am waving around a lot. We'll see if we have any uh, recording studio mishaps. (laughs) (laughs) Girls are fragile, more emotional, easier to frighten. This is the typical attitude that Keladry of Mindelin is up against. Kel is the first girl in 10 years to take advantage of the decree that permits girls to train for the knighthood, and she is about to smash everyone's preconceptions about what girls can and cannot do. Set in Tortal during the reign of King Jonathan III and Queen Theat, First Test launches the Protector of the Small series, which chronicles the coming of age of a heroine who is far more than she seems. And then we get a couple 
blurbs about the book. They're not very interesting. I'm not going to read them. Um, but I'm ready. This is exciting. It is thrilling. I'm good to go. I love that this book gets to explicitly deal with the sexism against women in Tortal, whereas Alana's doesn't because she's pretending to be a man mm-hmm. yeah. for the first two books when she's actually going through her training. Exactly. Um, so we get a lot of interesting dynamics because of that, mm-hmm. especially as people start to learn that she actually is a woman. Um, but here we're really confronting things head on and it's much uglier in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but I am also much more interested in it because Cal gets true moments of feminism, Mm -hmm. um, which Alana does too later on in her books once she's living as a lady knight. But at the beginning, it's all about having to hide her womanness because she's, if she gets discovered, bad things will happen. She can't. Here we get to see the repercussions of Alana's actions. The, um, the backlash. Backlash, the conspiracy theorists, the conservatives crawling out of the woodwork to comment on The backlash to progress, man. Traditions are changing, and what are we becoming? What's going to happen to us? And Kel's teacher, foremost among them. I was amazed at the relevance of this book from the 90s. Yeah. This book came out in 1999. It is so... Important, I think, for any young person who's living through the current political climate in America. Um, There is a really great line when Neil Kell's friend um, says, if you smack someone in the face with a haddock, they're going to say it's a mouse if they want it to be a mouse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's his uh, retort for people saying that Alana magicked her way through the trials because there's no way that a woman could have completed them Mm -hmm. and has led to them having the pages and squires having to have these really awkward public tests so that they can show that they actually do know how to do math and swing a sword because, of course, no girl could know how to do that. So got to pull the wool over everyone's eyes. Um, Anyway, Madeline, would you like to give us a little summary of exactly what happens for people who haven't read the book in a while. Yes. So uh, this book starts out 10 years after Alana or more than that? Well, okay. So it's 10 10 after King Jonathan proclaimed that women could become knights. Right. So 10 years after the end of the Alana saga. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which it does span like... Quite some time because we're also... 10 years. We're five years after the end of the Immortals War. And things have changed a lot because of Mm -hmm. that, too. Big fan of how Tamara Pierce weaves together all of her stories into one beautiful narrative. Really impressive. I mean, if it leads to us getting like little beefcakey new mirror moments. Yes! (laughs) I'm not going to be mad. So happy. Anyways, okay, summary. Keladry is nine, ten? ten. She's ten. And uh, her family is, um, they're nobles. They're smaller nobles. Their fiefdom is not very old. Uh, and But they have just accomplished a great diplomatic feat. And it was more her mother than her father, yes. really, who accomplished this, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Her mother is a badass lady, for sure. Absolutely. And they accomplished this by staying at the, I say Yamani? Yamani. Okay. The Yamani civilization is an analog for kind of an amalgamation of different Asian cultures. I didn't I don't want to like necessarily put a label on it as like any one. Yeah, the only the reason I'm inclined to say that it is explicitly Japanese culture. Okay, that was is my hunch. The glaive, the weapon that she uses mm-hmm. is a um, under a different name was a a traditional samurai weapon. Okay. Um, and one that was used by uh, different groups other than just the samurai during feudal Japan. Mm-hmm. There, feudal okay. Japan. Okay. Um, it was called a, this is the one note I did make. It's called a naginata. It's a picture of it. Cool. Yeah. We'll put up the picture on our website. Yeah. It's totally awesome. And when you and see dog it in and imagine Kel as a five-year-old learning to fight yeah, with it. For sure. It's really awesome. It's really cool. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, so she and her family were there for six years, a long time, especially Mm -hmm. for a nine year old or a 10 year old. That's most of her life. Uh, so she's coming 
from a, a culture where women are more often perceived as warriors in certain mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. And, uh, her and they live in a very dangerous area and women are trained to fight from mm-hmm. a young age because they need to be able, they need to, to, be able to defend protect themselves. themselves and their families mm-hmm. and their culture. Um, so uh, she and her parents, her parents are very supportive of her desire to become a knight. No one else has taken up uh, the decree. The yeah, the decree that opportunity, the opportunity. Thank you that King Jonathan put forward ten years ago, saying any woman could become a knight as well. Mm-hmm. So now there's kind of this hullabaloo saying, well, this has always existed, but no one's taken up the offer before. And there's fighting with Lord Wilden, who is the the master of training. Yeah, the master of training. Um, he's a traditionalist and doesn't like Alana. The stump. Um, the stump, as Neil calls him. So anyways, when Kel comes in, he says she can only come in if she's on probation for a year. And Kel submits. She says, okay, this is the only way I'll get to do that. And the book is the story of her being a, a girl, being a woman in a lot of ways as a 10-year-old girl, yeah. uh, finding her way, becoming friends with, honestly, all of the good people that all of them she yeah anyone who has you know a true soul is Mm -hmm. compelled by her because she's such a hard worker she because of her Yamani upbringing trains herself not to show extremely disciplined Mm, yeah Um, she is always smooth tempered she tries to be as a stone Um, I think there's a lot to admire about her really funny how she is the perfect opposite of Alana and Mm -hmm. how she handles her time in the courts. Yes, which is so great. She's Mm -hmm. definitely not an Alana analog at all. No. At all. And And that's really um, important. So the book ends when Lord Wilden essentially kind of tips his hand a little bit and shows her that he's not quite as terrible as we might believe. And he thinks that he's being protective of her rather than just hating her for being what she is because he has daughters and I don't know, again, it's a very certain kind of mindset. Um, But essentially tells her, I want you to think about this and I think you should decide not to come back. And she thinks he's telling her that she, you know, doesn't get to come back. But finally she understands that technically she's through her probation and now she can be a real page and that's how the book ends. Yay. Uh, I, yeah, after she, goes through a crazy amount of stuff for a 10, 11-year-old. <laughs> and I love that each of the books in this series have very simple titles that just reflect the place that Kel has been allowed to progress to. Mm-hmm. It's first as Paige, Squire, Lady Nine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm getting a little emotional just talking about this, but the reason Kel is so unprecedented in a lot of ways is that she spends the entire year going through physical, emotional, and mental torture, essentially, mm-hmm. believing that she's probably just going to be kicked out of the program at yep. the end. She's pretty much 100% certain. And even her friends tell her that, too. Yeah, they're saying goodbye to her yeah. on their last day mm-hmm. uh, before they leave for the summer, before they go off on summer break. <laughs> to the harvest. <laughs> anyway, which is a really funny concept because Alana um, basically doesn't have a family yeah I mean, she never her, her she brother. stayed at the palace right yeah, yeah, yeah she just stays at the palace um or stays with the thieves oh maybe she stays with sorry guys future I, know husband. We, I know i'm sorry we've heard from some listeners who are disappointed in our lack of uh, comprehensive knowledge about the series but we just don't have time to reread the entire series before we cover a book so we're trying to just talk about first test and, uh, listeners i wish that we had time oh, we, we both wish that we could just spend all of our time if you want to hire us to just read every <laughs> single one of tamara pierce's episodes and cover all of them we mm-hmm. would love to do yeah. that but we don't have the time or money to do that so we used to at our earlier episodes i think we had a disclaimer yeah, at the beginning did. but we stopped doing that because Hopefully you understand by now, if you've been with us on this journey, that sometimes we just forget it's been decades since we read some of these books. Unfortunately, we've had to cram our brains with a lot of other less important, honestly, things, but really? they're they're in there. They're taking up gray but matter. those things yeah. do earn us money, so <laughs> we have to maintain them. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. 
Um, anyways. Anyway, sometimes over. we have to get a little blurry with what yeah, happens. Thank in you other for books. sticking with us. Yeah. Though. We really appreciate it. And as always, feel free to write in and, and remind us what it is that sure. Alana did over the summer. Okay, so moving away from that tangent, back into something more coherent, cohesive. Let's do first and new, old and new impressions. That's what we'll call this segment. We've never had a good name. <laughs> old and new. I in with the old and in with the in old with and the new. in with the new. Hey, that means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a homely truth. Exactly. Shout out to our two princesses of Omar episode. Check it out. It is a homely truth. And if you like a good ramble, <laughs> that episode yeah, is it is one giant ramble for you. <laughs> So I read this series in the chronological order and also the order it was released. Mm-hmm. Um, this series came out in 1999, shortly after the Immortals series, the books about Dane. Um, and like Madeline mentioned, it weaves in appearances from Dane, Numer, Alana, um, so many other figures from Alana's time in Jonathan Foretold, Jonathan, Raul, um, Duke Gareth. I mean, every almost everyone who's still alive at this point, which is really up. smart. If you have these amazing characters yeah, that you've fleshed out and to made keep into them these around, wonderful, loving, complex yeah. figures. Mm-hmm. Miles, Miles. I was oh, so happy Miles. to see Miles come back and to be so you kind know. to Cal because Cal has it a complex throughout the book that Alana is not interested in her or yeah. that she maybe doesn't even like her because she is going to become another lady knight and then there will be two of them because she's 10 and the yeah. powers that oh, be yeah. forced Alana not to talk to Kel because they're worried about people gossiping that like she used magic to help her or whatever. It's such a relatable feeling too. Um, for I think someone like us who cares a lot about getting approval when you're young, um, especially from teachers and mm-hmm. figures that you yeah. admire um, and convincing yourself at any perceived slight, like, oh, they don't like me or I'm doing it wrong. I'm not good enough. I still, the feeling of even a mild reprimand from someone who I really care about is so incredibly <laughs> burning know. and like bad <laughs> yeah and like i yeah i think we we both definitely are like approval seekers in a lot of ways we're not rule breakers <laughs> we never have um and kel isn't either i mean she does break rules to fill fulfill her title the protector but of the small, only but to remain within her alignment exactly. so technically she's not breaking she's breaking <laughs> some rules but she's keeping her own rules and she is so it's so important to her to uphold not just the knight's code but the Yamani way of approaching life and approaching mm-hmm. inner turmoil. And she has so many conversations with herself about what the Knight's Code means. Like she's yeah. figuring out she's what morality really, is. really thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and Neil says at the end of the book that he's ashamed that he got the best... Um, I guess just description of chivalry that from he's ever heard from a 10-year-old. <laughs> Um, because she does explain to them that the hazing that the squires and older pages or older pages, not the squires, that the older pages perform on the first years um, is a waste of time is wrong at best yeah. and awful, like traumatizing and terrible and encourages bullying at worst, which is also very contemporary, very relevant. I mean, there are a lot of conversations about hazing of different forms going mm-hmm. on right now, um, especially as it continues to lead to and it's, deaths of young people. Yeah. And it's a it's a system that is so difficult to break because the hazers were hazed themselves. So they have mm-hmm. such an ingrained sense that it would be so incredibly unfair to let the newer ones off the hook because they were subjected to it themselves. So it's a really, it's a very vicious cycle. And it also just ends up feeling like a byproduct of the patriarchy yes. um, because it's just something that's always been done. So it will continue to be done because what else could possibly be done? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I mean, it sounds like we're talking about hazing a lot, but that's actually a significant storyline in this book is bullying, um, which is something I think I picked out a a lot more more. than in Alana's story, because in Alana's, it gets dealt with pretty quick. Everyone loves Alana for the most part. She has her bully. um, But she deals with him. But she deals with him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she has such powerful friends, whereas Kel is really an outsider 
in multiple ways. She is mm-hmm. not only a woman, she also is from, she was, she grew up in a land that not only are people unfamiliar with, but they're, some are openly racist about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, her teacher uses derogatory terms to describe yeah. the Yamani. And in the front of a, a fellow Yamani teacher. Yeah. So that was just, <laughs> that was really odd. And he kind yeah. of calls him out on it later on in the book when he says, say what you will about the Yamani, but we teach our women how to fight. And, yeah, that, that. and also we teach our warriors how to follow their leaders because all the other boys, when they're riding in the rain, are like, I am cold. I am wet. Let's go in a village. Yeah. And Wilden turns to Cal and says, what girl do you want a place to sit? I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I mean, Will does terrible. He always calls her girl or probationer. Probationer. Um, Yeah, and she says, well, it's not my place to say. It's yours, Mm -hmm. which is the correct answer. Irritated as I might be by some of these structures that are in place, when you get down to just the master and the student positions, they should never question him. That's just how this works. That's how you learn respect and the ways, you know. And I feel like we sound really miserly. <laughs> I know. It's like the youngins better listen up. But like, I it's mean, it's so important to their safety and they're living in such a treacherous time. Right. And I was thinking about that too, how it's, I, you get the feel that there are m- many fewer students than mm-hmm. there were when Alana was becoming a knight because they hadn't recently faced a huge war mm-hmm. um, that wasn't just against man, but against immortal beings. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are, had suffered familial losses. Um, there is one boy who, when they're attacking the spiderns, um, or, you know, trying to drive out the spiderns rather, uh, sees the spider who killed his father. So he's totally emotionally involved and, you know, falls over, does mm-hmm. a Frodo. Yeah. And, um, he do a great can't, job there. but he is a child, <laughs> but yeah, they're 10 year olds who are going, living through a really dark time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> so many feelings. I, well, I think the lesson is in, I mean, I'm a believer in, I mean, I just, I'm a new lawyer, so I just went through law school, and I, you know, to be fair, I went to school, both college and law school, at really liberal and progressive institutions, so I And, you know, there still even were some times where students really felt like they had to call out professors. But in the realm of just practice, mm-hmm. not, not necessarily their beliefs, mm-hmm. but in practice, I think it's important to respect yeah. the people who have come before you in certain arenas. Because otherwise, what have you got? You have to, you know, you have to respect knowledge and yeah. the no- wisdom that comes from practice, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. And this is a really practical realm. I mean, their teachers... And in something faced, so dangerous, yeah. yeah. Their teachers have faced horrific situations, battles, uh, smaller but deeply disturbing moments like Wilden fighting off... Um, what was it that he fights off against? Well, he saves the... the some of Jonathan and Thea's children um, during the yeah, Immortals War. Yeah, I can't war. remember what they're referring um, to. Yeah, Did it happen on screen or was it... No, uh, I'm not sure if it happened during the Immortals okay. um, because Dane wouldn't have been there with him. So I wonder if it was have. just like an off, like got mentioned in the Immortals but didn't so. happen like in the actual... Yeah, I think so. Um, anyway, they, they have these experiences under their belt and no amount of training and like theoretical practice is going to prepare you for that. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense for them to listen to him. Yeah. Um, But what I, okay. What I want to say about old and new impressions is it really struck me on this rereading that Kel is far and away the most relatable of Tamara Pierce's characters because she doesn't have magic it's because she's the least magical she doesn't have a gift yeah she doesn't have any kind of supernatural she's not a superhero urging she doesn't have dreams that tell her what to do next yeah um she doesn't have these special little nudges to go this way and not that or make Mm -hmm. this decision she's Um, not being used as a tool of the gods exactly she's just a human doing human stuff she doesn't have the badger god she doesn't have the goddess no one cares about her except for human beings and she achieves success 
through her hard yeah, work. You're absolutely right. Alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through the help of friends that she makes along the way. But yeah, she, but that's also incredibly human. That's her. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's how we all that's what we're all striving for, to make connections and mm-hmm. yeah, help one another and be helped and loved in return. Um and I think that's really, really important, especially in a fantasy novel. Um, It's rare to find someone who is driven by their determination alone. And Kel can't use magic, so Mm -hmm. she can't even, you know, apply magical tools. Yeah. um, Other than, you know, some some bruise balm here and there. That she gives, that she gets as a gift from aforementioned Alana, Alana, yeah. yeah. Um, and that really resonated with me when I was, you know, 12 and I first read this book and it did with me again today. And now I see the bigger picture in a much clearer way. And oh, we're still, are we still on our second? We're in old and new impressions. Uh, Right. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And I'm wrapping up, but thank you, Tamara Pierce for creating this character and for Mm -hmm. creating this series. Yeah. I'm super jazzed that it exists and I've already recommended it to, um, so my, my boyfriend has a young cousin who was asking for some books to read and his mom is staying with us right now. So we were were texting her (laughs) some recommendations. I may or may not have put in some time. Oh my gosh. That's great. (laughs) So happy. So Madeline, old and new impressions of your own. So, uh, my old impressions, this was actually, my least favorite is funny because when I was young, I only wanted the books with magic in them. Right. I didn't want this, you know, this is a pretty straightforward school story. Right. I didn't want this book. real life, yeah. real life stuff. Um, because once I got, you know, even into my preteen pu- puberty, basically <laughs> really did a number on me. Um, <laughs> What's and I, who can say that they went untouched uh, by the yeah. cruel icy hand of hormones? Once I was like 11, I was having a terrible time socially in every sphere except like, you know, with my brother and sister. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I didn't want to just have a straightforward school story. And I still have trouble reading or... Yeah viewing media that happens like in high school a lot of times. Um, But now I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed it so much and I found her extremely relatable and it's funny. I I actually remember you saying when we were first, when we were first starting the podcast and we're like, okay, well, which Tamara Pierce books are we going to do first? Yeah. And you were like, oh, I don't really care about Kel. I don't think I really even read all the books. No, and I'll be honest. I never read the fourth one. Oh, yeah. That's why I was asking Grace the other day yeah. after I consumed this in one day, yeah. like an afternoon, uh, do you have the other ones? I really want to read the other ones because yeah. I read the second and the third. And with these books, the most interesting thing to me was the romantic connection. Mm. And I Googled before I read the fourth book, I remember, and I read that she doesn't stay with Cleon that like he goes away and he has to get married yeah and that he's like not a part of the fourth book and then I remember just being like whatever (laughs) and then I never read it (laughs) Uh, yes so uh, yeah I'll confession on that like Madeline was only interested in one thing That's fine. Um, Just owning up to our thirsty little 11-year-old selves. Yes, I guess. <laughs> um, anyways, but now I adore Cal and I'm so proud of her and what she's doing for women and her time. <laughs> I know. And she continues. So the way that she stands up for, quote unquote, the small um, is explored more and more in the subsequent books. Mm-hmm. Um, in the next book, she gets she a griffin that routinely <laughs> maims her, <laughs> and she still takes care of it. Yeah, she has to deal with a lot of that. It's, you know, kind of similar to Peach Blossom. <laughs> Peach Blossom, by the way, um, horse IP, horse important person. No, very important horse. P I H horse IP. <laughs> Horse important person. <laughs> the best title I could come up with on the spot. Um, I love Peach Blossom, especially because Peach Blossom kind of upends the fantasy trope of here's your oh, this horse is perfectly suited for yeah. you. The shadow facts. He's the anti shadow facts. <laughs> <laughs> and like 
to be fair, Peach Blossom does respect Kel after a time, but it's because she cares for him and she softens the scars in his mouth. Yeah, um, he's abused. And, uh, you know, prevents him from being slaughtered or just used as a cart horse. Mm -hmm. Um, But the name Peach Blossom, for one thing, is hilarious. Amazing. Um, If I get another cat, I'm going to name it Peach Blossom. (laughs) I spend way too much time thinking about the name of my next cat. But yeah, Peach Blossom is just like hilarious, really cruel in ways that suit Kel. You know, Peach Blossom is trying to like bite other horses and get everybody away from her. And it's like, chill out. I need my my alone time with Kel. Yeah, Kel actually uses Peach Blossom at one time to keep her friend from sassing the training master into like, I don't even know, Neil plays... Neil so, is—he uh, can't keep his mouth shut, and always. he's so much, so much older than the other first-year yeah. pages. It's well, and this also fits with Cal being a, an outsider. Um, the friends that she has at among the other pages are outsiders as well, each for a different reason. Um, Neil is too old; he came to the to the night program, <laughs> to night school. He was in magic Late. school first. Yeah. He was at university. His father is a healer, a master healer. Um, and he's got real good magic. his mother is an academic also, right? I, can't I think so. What they do. But he's um, been at the palace like all this time and yeah. he's like over it. Yeah. And he's not interested in the same structures that go unquestioned by many of the pages. So he's always sassing back to Lord Wilden um, and uh, just generally being insolent, but like in a funny way. He's, He's never really funny. Yeah. Mean. <laughs> no. um, and I always appreciate his little asides and to thank God that he steps forward to be um, the sponsor. Sponsor. That he steps forward to be her sponsor after Joran tries to so that he can just torture her into leaving. Um, He's the Draco Malfoy. Yeah, Joran is the Draco. Or Draco Malfoy is the Joran. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, um, Draco came into existence before Joran. Whatever. I don't think it's crazy for pretty little blonde white boys to be evil. (laughs) I think me neither. I don't have any problems. Established. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Okay. So finishing the the outsiders group, there's Neil, there's Cal, and then Prince Rald, who is also an outsider because he's a royal. He can't really go through life the same way the other pages can. Um, This is, you know, him training to be a very important person one day. Um, And he doesn't have the same freedom as the other boys. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that trio makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. They're very studious. They're like pretty serious. Um, Very serious kids. (laughs) Very grown up (laughs) 10 to 15 year olds. Seriously. Um, But uh, they they end up making friends with the other pages once Kel um, just beats the gumbo out of all the boys yeah and they come around start hanging out with her um speaking of the bullies there is one thing i like about them and it's that they don't hesitate to treat kel as if she were a boy which is very interesting because it contradicts their sexism that she shouldn't be treated like a boy i know i expected them to like not fight her or like yeah I don't know. They have no qualms about beating her up badly. Um, they, yeah, breaking her nose, punching her in the stomach, mm-hmm. in the back, um, doing anything they can. I mean, I don't think they're holding back in any way. I think it's because she's, then this is a way in which she's different from Alana too, is that she's pretty strong. She's tall for yeah. a girl for her age. She's strong. She's athletic. Like, she's not someone that they can just be like, oh, we won't fight you because you're a girl. Because she'll fight them. (laughs) And then they'll get hurt, you know? Yeah. And then they'll be more embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Well, I just just liked that, that they were actually contradicting their own. um, You're right. A girl that's not appropriate. Yeah. Uh, And um, their hate very clearly stems from the same traditional beliefs that Mm -hmm. the elders that are demanding that they have the public test and saying that there's no way Alana gained the knighthood through her own power of virtue, power of virtue, her own strength. And to me, it's really obvious that this was all stuff that these boys were getting from home. Like this Mm -hmm. is what their parents said. So this is what the attitudes that they come in having. 
Yeah. Um, like no child independently develops those convictions. Right. It actually, it makes more sense for me with um, Zahir. Is that yeah, the same? It was Zahir because he has a cultural, a cultural religious upbringing that leads him to believe that women not only shouldn't be warriors, but shouldn't be showing their faces. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he says specific things to her, I understand more. Okay. I get why you're doing this, but interestingly in the later books, he tires of bullying mm. and also comes to believe that it's not the way they should be behaving and leaves Doran and Vowen or whatever his name is. Voison or <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> What's all his cronies? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, so the bullies are pretty straightforward. You know, there's the pretty boy who has his pack of cronies, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are very Draco, Crab, and Goyle. Yeah, um, for sure. In a funny way. Uh, and, uh, you know, they. But they that's also kind with. of typical for bullies. There's a ringleader. Joran. In this book, I think it's pretty, yeah, garden variety. Um, the filling her lance with lead thing is pretty... Pretty next level. Uh, inspired. Yeah. <laughs> also, when you reach the point where you're doing a lot of hard work to Dad, bully someone, it's like so much okay, planning like, and work. Who's really getting the shorter end of this? They need a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like making lances? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should go explore that. Um, so, yeah, he he really makes it his mission mm-hmm. to try to kick Kel out. Yeah. And it don't work. Honestly, the boys I'm most bothered by are the ones who try to spy on Kel while she's using the latrine. Yeah, that while was they're camping together. really just... It was really disturbing. Yeah. Because, like, on top of everything else, there's also just a 10-year-old kid. Um Fortunately, the sparrows, you know, peck the stuffing out of them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Love uh, love those aggressive sparrows. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We also have, you know, even though Kel doesn't have a figure she can follow in having Alana physically present at the court because she's pissed as hell at Jonathan for initiating the probationary period. Yeah. Um, so she just takes off, <laughs> doesn't hang out. Just stays away from chorus. Um, she has another lady warrior there. Um, the uh, wild cat. The I Shang think that's the wild cat. cat. Yeah. yeah. Edda, Ida. Which is really cool. Um, and is and a, yeah, I really like having her there as mm-hmm. one of their teachers too. And just seeing how the, the teachers have gotten so much more diverse since Alana was at court because there's someone there from Carthac. There's um, a basilisk. There's a basilisk. <laughs> I love, I love Taka. Uh, yeah. So I, I was so happy to just see a glimpse of him in this book. I forgot how wonderful he is. I love him. Yeah. Ka is great. Um, I really, oh, I really want to reread the whole Immortals series now. I just want to start at the second Alana book and then just read them all. <laughs> I actually look, I, if you look at my Google search history, there's a bunch of like <laughs> bundle Tamara Pierce books, all Tamara Pierce books. <laughs> Trying to like get a compendium that I, I can know. read from front to back. I have my I have my full set of Alana, um, and then I have just some of Kel and Dane's books, and uh, I have the full Circle of Magic set, which we're we're also going to cover a Circle of Magic book. It'll probably just be in a little bit, um, so that we can uh, have a little break from Tamara, even though it makes us sad to do. Even though we never want a break, I know. Um, but yeah, I I think her books are just so good for at any age. I it, it was because of Tamara Pierce that I wanted to start this podcast because I was mm. horrified one day when I was like, I haven't thought about Tamara Pierce in so long years, and that's nonsense. Yeah. That is not how it should be. She was just in Seattle for a reading of her new book about Numair. Um, and, uh, I, I wasn't able to go, we weren't able to go sadly. Um, but I was seeing people, I, you know, women my age posting about it on Facebook and getting into these huge discussions about like, 
hey, any other Tamara Pierce fans out there? Every comment is like, oh. I would I would give my life for her. I will slit my arms and pour out all my blood. There's no one more important to me in my formative years. Um, but I feel like it's this passion that is has now just kind of fallen dormant within us. Yeah. Um, like she was so important when we were, you yeah. know, 11 to 14. And then yeah, you, you think about other things, you stop reading as much and um, you, uh, yeah, you stop thinking about Alana and Dane and Cal and everyone else. And, and now and we've brought them back up and we could <laughs> be happier. I honestly, it doesn't even bother me to be seen what is clearly a, paperback book for a young reader in public yeah no i'm totally fine with it now i don't care and if someone comes up to me and is like um what is that you're reading i'll be like oh you want to hear about colostry of mendelin and i'll be like <laughs> um goodbye i actually got asked about our podcast at a job interview recently and had a little chance to nerd out with my interviewer and then i got um i was given the opportunity very shortly after so uh what dude, did they what had they read? Did they talk about fantasy? Oh, he asked me what my favorite fantasy series was after that. And I was like, oh, you know, this. I guess I would just have to say Lord of the Rings, even if, you know, we mm-hmm. haven't really done it on the podcast. It's not really YA. And then he was right away like, oh, uh, I loved the Redwall books. And I was like, I actually, my voice went up like two octaves as I was just like, amazing. (laughs) And I just had this wonderful little moment of like, there is that in all of us. Like that, that little like wanting uh, to be in this like special world. It's really exciting. And, you know, I got the job. So, (laughs) (laughs) so read your fantasy books, kiddos. And start a podcast about yeah. it. Seriously. Um, okay, yeah. So gu- all that gushing aside, I wanted to talk a little bit more about just how Alana and Dane and Kel compare because I feel like Tamara Pierce was very deliberate in creating Kel the way that she is. Mm-hmm. And she, I think she probably wanted to go for a character that, you know, human girls in our world can really aspire to be like. And like I said, um, you know, this can also kind of be our magical systems discussion. Uh, there isn't really magic in this book, which is very different from Alana and Dane's experiences. Mm-hmm. There's, There's like some magic. peripheral stuff or yeah. like when Dane talks to Peach Blossom or, yeah, um, but not very much at all. Or when Numair stumbles out of his room, like you ruined my spell. <laughs> <laughs> you almost ruined it, yeah. but you won't because you're leaving. Um, Okay, I listened to this on an audiobook, and it was a great audiobook, so thank you very much for anyone who's ever recorded a Tamara Pierce book. But I think that the woman who read it had never read another Tamara Pierce book because the voice that she did for Numair was like, oh, you just broke my experiment. Like, it was like a nerdy old wizard voice. And I was like, no, no, Numair is... Hot. <laughs> it's not what he sounds like. Oh, yikes. Yeah, it was jarring. <laughs> okay, yeah, probably not. Uh, probably hasn't read The Immortals. Yeah. yeah we'll say that. Yeah. Um, Anyways. Wow. Yeah, send, in, send us your Numera voices. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make them like that. Don't make them Weasley. No, I always thought he sounded like he's a gravelly voice and he's very pensive, but like in a attractive scholarly way yeah for sure mm-hmm. um and anyone who i mean obviously numer hasn't spent his life like hiding away behind books yeah know? exactly he's he's a social butterfly and a warrior in his own right yeah yeah um okay <laughs> yeah should we just one by one talk about every tamra Bruce character <laughs> That's what this Next is Next up, kitten. <laughs> the true dragon baby. Oh, God, yeah. She's the, the MVD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's better. Very important. Dragon. Horse. Oh. No, <laughs> like, horse, right. important person. That's like what we're I'm trying saying. to figure it out. I was no, like, I'm whoa, trying right. to refer back to my terrible title from earlier. Horse, most important. Horse, horse important, important person. person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, the other magic that is very present in the book are the immortals that 
tell battles against who and are like magical beings. Mm-hmm. Some um, of them can use magic, and then other ones just have kind of like like the spiderins. They can spin webs. Yeah, but they're they're immortal, right? Yeah, that's but they the can't magic. like use spells. I think Taka can. Uh, well, the spiderin are. Very interesting. Um, so I like it when we get, in one of the books we're reading, an invented uh, mythological immortal type being. Instead of like one that Griffin, is um, a real yeah, mythical dragon. creature. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love dragons. But I uh, am intrigued by authors who are trying to yeah create, create their, they own, do their thing. own thing. And Tamara Pierce has a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Stormwings are a take on harpies. But, but still, they're pretty... They're unique. Yeah. And Spider-Man really like remind me of them um, because they have a human head on a, a magical being's body. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, just a huge spider. <laughs> Completely horrifying, disturbing. some might say. With a human head with sharp teeth. It's really gross. Um, and the uh, mental picture of a school of young spiderin feeding on a woman's dead body in a cave is not one that I'll soon forget. It's pretty gruesome. Um, the spiderin in the opening scene uh, bites kittens in half is generally terrifying, but also introduces us to Kel's defining fear and really her one true um, feeling that she can't hide, which I think brings up a lot of other shame for her in addition to it just being a fear in itself um because she has great shame at not being able to hide an emotion right so this fear leads to you know basically bringing out all her other fears Mm -hmm. of her um, vulnerability being displayed but she is terrified of heights um to the point where she totally freezes when she uh, realizes that she's at any kind of elevated place and the spider almost kills her yeah um, because she can't move and uh, her fear of heights is overcome at the end of page when she's supposed to, or the end of, yeah, I think the end of the second book. She's supposed to be taking her exam. And Jorbutt, uh, Jorface, Jor um, what's his name? Joran. Joran uh, kidnaps her maid and puts her oh, at the top of the needle. right. God, yeah. he never goes away. He's so annoying. Well, um, I remember what happens to him, though. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Just some pleasant snickering over, over the, the death of a yeah, 17-year-old boy. <laughs> that's what you come to Dragon Babies for. <laughs> and that's what you're going to get. Um, and she overcomes her fear and saves her maid. Right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Then still gets to take her exam, even though the Yay. normal punishment is to have to retake all four years of your training. <laughs> if you miss your exam, you have to redo your page. Um, yeah. It's a lot rougher it's, than it's like when in college and a girl that lived in my hall, like just busted into my room weeping, like I slept through my final. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, girl, just email your professor. He'll let you take it. You won't <laughs> have to redo college. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. It's also really relatable that Kel has, you know, a fear and that it doesn't limit her in the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, it literally does limit her at many points, but it doesn't it doesn't have to be tied to okay i'm a girl so i have fears it i think it helps show her okay everyone has these i mean this is something that other people want to help you get through mm-hmm. wilden tries to force it out of her mm-hmm. i mean yeah. he is being i think a good teacher and pretty compassionate it it's unfortunate that he makes her climb a tree every day in front of all the other pages it's not great but she needs to be able to do this if she's yeah, going to be a knight. Like, you have to be able to yeah, reach heights. <laughs> I was thinking of it when I was reading it. Mine would be if we had to swim in the ocean, if we had to get into the ocean in order to mm. do a training thing, which is much less likely to matter as a knight, Yeah, um, especially if you're not in a coastal area. But yeah, that would be my problem. And mine, I've also thought about, it would be having to be in, like, battlements in small spaces in something oh. where I would be very restricted and I would be being attacked from the front and unable to, you know, very quickly, like, get away from that space. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so claustrophobia just in general. What um, would your preferred weapon be? 
in a yeah, and let's open it up to a D and D style ar- array, like you know, Morning Star, Mace, okay, so Long Sword, Short Sword, Staff. Yeah, I it I liked in this book. It's fun because you get to really think about how it is to work mm-hmm. with different weapons yeah. because they really there's a lot of time to talk about their studies because Kel doesn't have the magical interference and like Alana's hiding her gender stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets to just really, yeah, focus on her schoolwork. And we actually hear, see more of the practical um, training mm-hmm. than I feel like we do in Alana's books. Yeah. Um, so I, I've always thought, um, I mean, this is not a combat weapon, but bow and arrow mm. is always kind of my preferred. You could be an archer too. Yeah. Um, when I'm playing you Zelda, need to... I like to take out uh, enemies from afar, mm. and um, I like to yeah wage war upon them before we're in those close quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this also has to do with my claustrophobia, but I I really. I really liked Kel's descriptions of using the glaive. I think it sounds pretty cool. And I like that it's designed so that someone like a woman who is, you know, just going to have less upper body strength Mm -hmm. is still able to defend herself if she knows the uh, proper moves. Yeah. I mean, I've always thought that I would need a sword for close combat and just for general purposes, like you got to have a sword, but I would want like, um, a bastard sword, like one that's like halfway between short mm-hmm. sword and long sword, because mm-hmm. I wouldn't want one that gives me a bad reach, and I also wouldn't want like a friggin' long sword. Yeah, long sword stress me out because it's like I just feel like I would clip something I don't <laughs> want to. So uh, yeah, I would want <laughs> or to get eat. tangled up. I don't know. It seems really unwieldy. Like think about when you're holding something. Yeah, long, no, for sure, really for sure. That's why I would want it. one that's a little shorter. But I would also really like to have a staff for like mm-hmm. open combat, and then also yeah, the staff would be awesome. also because it's so useful. I know. Yeah, yeah, really handy. And yeah, I like I like the and the glaive of, is a cool concept. Yeah, the glaive is really cool. Um, I, I, with staves, I do like thought of like, it could be a walking mm-hmm. stick. I can yeah. poke people with it. Exactly. I can kill people yeah. with it. Smash them in the face. <laughs> you can use it to hold a pot out over some water. And you can also use it to. A pot to... out over water. A pot out over a fire. <laughs> you can also use it. That's how I cook food. To you non-lethally fight someone yeah, if totally. that's what you want. Yeah. To immobilize them mm-hmm. um, without actually killing them. Yeah. Yeah. And just the sound of like a staff cracking is really appealing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Great weapons discussion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's going to be a long one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, we didn't, okay. We didn't really finish. I, I okay. I want to talk a little bit about the personalities of Alana, Dane and Kel, and then we can do badass lady minder. Alana is fiery. She has little to no control over her temper. And she's tiny. She's not, she doesn't have the, Mass advantage. Um, but she's fierce. Mm -hmm. Dane is very interesting because Dane isn't a warrior. Um, and you know, she's never she's never really presented as such. She doesn't really think like one, like a typical warrior, but she does know how to fight. And I mean, she does destroy the entire palace. Um her her mage in like one of the greatest fantasy battle scenes I've she, ever read. Yeah, she uses her ability to communicate with animals in fantastically creative, really creative ways. Yeah, and resourceful mm-hmm. yeah, ways. Um, so Dane, Dane, I would say her primary trait is probably kindness mm. um, or at the very least... Uh, Sympathy. I mean, empathy, sympathy, empathy, and empathy. Empathy yeah. for sure, because she like feels animals' pain. Exactly. Because yeah, she has she that link to yeah, them. She doesn't have any escape from yeah. that. It's not like, oh, should I help them? Yeah. Like, oh my God, my body is commanding me to help them. Right. Um, yeah. Dane, she's, you know, her approach is softer and subtler, um, but she is. She uses the bow and arrow. Yeah, she yeah. does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she does absolutely incredible things and 
journeys through the realms of the gods. I mean, she's... I'm not limiting Dane or saying that she's any less mm-hmm. impressive. But she's than different than a knight. Yes. She just very has very different knight. methods. And then Kel is kind of she's not in between the two. She's her own no. person. She's and a I different love thing. that. Yeah. Um I her her moral compass is what's driving her. Exactly. It's incredibly strong mm-hmm. and it guides her very accurately. Um I think in our Alana episode, I said something like Anna, Alana always does exactly what is the right thing for her to do. Um, and some of that is from her figuring it out, but she's also having a lot of guidance. Mm-hmm. And Cal really thinks through things, which I really relate to. I mean, Cal is is the one that, like I said, I think is the best actual role model for mm-hmm. young women and yeah. young men, for young people. Um and uh, I, I love the moments when she's trying to remain impassive and she's there saying, okay, we're even more quiet than usual today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that her quiet is sort of her own kind of weapon and yeah. it makes people nervous and mm-hmm. it unsettles them. And it's her, it's not shyness, it's just that she's incredibly deliberate. Yeah. And it takes time to figure out what her move is going to be. And she says at one point that she doesn't like to explain herself. And I'm like, yeah. You shouldn't have to explain yourself all the time. Rock Really on. great feminist sentiment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, not everyone is privy to your inner thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like, keep them to yourself if you want. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be what they want you to be and exactly. what they expect you to be. Yeah. Cal. <laughs> okay. So, she is our badass lady of the book that's undeniable. I didn't think about her reading I'm giving Kel 20 glaives, jutting through the abdomens of 20 spidrins, <laughs> pinning them like beetles on cards. Ah, yeah. Just like Neil at the battle. <laughs> and I give her an entire sparrow flux worth of excellence. That's Your the ratings end. are so funny. You combine <laughs> physical objects with... Like emotions and concepts. <laughs> I'm into it. Okay. <laughs> Rating's done. Okay, it's we've pushed it past the hour mark. I'm sure by this by the time I edit this, hopefully it will it will be yeah, we won't be at one hour yet. But I hate to do it so late, but it's time for pretend food. Pretend food. Let's get hungry. So let's hungry. talk about yummies. Pretend food. Not a lot of pretend food. <laughs> There just isn't. It's There's a lot going like on. Normal food. They're at school. They don't concentrate on their food very she much. Doesn't, Cal doesn't even get to go to one of the banquets. She spends the midwinter feast um, in the kitchen. <laughs> I love the line that says she wants to see someone other than sweaty kitchen staff and sweaty, nervous yeah. uh, pages and squires. Yeah. They, I was into the fact that they can request the kitchen for more food, which is a good idea when you have like hungry people training to be knights to you know have them be able to get more food if they want instead of just being limited to meal times yeah it's interesting because i feel like a lot of the um characterization of the sparrows was accomplished through the food that they were being given to eat because yeah, they're we, the ones that ate the most food yeah we get more <laughs> of a description of the sparrows food that yeah. cal is feeding them than the, food humans, that the people yeah. Eat. yeah um and i love that for midwinter cal gives them dried cranberries yeah um and uh, yeah, other dried fruits. Um, that was really cute. Mm-hmm. And then they fight over the cranberries. That's adorable. Yeah. Um, on you know, on the human side, it's it's porridge. It's traveler's bread. Um, scones. Cal butters a scone. They have at one point. They have cake uh, as a treat. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a moment when Kel is just kind of. Shaking her head at silly old Neil yeah. as he's leaving his vegetables to cool on his plate oh, yeah, and he eating his cake. cake first. Yeah, it reminded me of the dining hall experience where it was like, I can eat my cake first. I don't eat these vegetables. I love Neil. He's such a good character. He's such a good best friend character. Yeah. And in the great Tamara Pierce tradition of men who drawl being the most appealing men, <laughs> George... 
Numera also draws. Yeah, that's true. And so does Neil. Yeah. And they're three of my faves. Yeah. So I like that. Do to draw. <laughs> D W D. Um and uh yeah, sorry, getting away from pretend food. But um But yeah, there's not a lot. Yeah, there's not sadly not that much to discuss, which is why it's gotten pushed out to this point. Um I uh you know, Kel's got other things to focus on. I don't think she Which is, is a great eater either. Like she, she doesn't seems really more care like she about eats for food. sustenance. Totally. There's the one breakfast when she is so hungry after she has been healed. Oh, um, right. Because fight. healing makes you really hungry. And then she's like, yeah, give me that porridge. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get into this. <laughs> porridge, is, porridge is fine. Um, Maybe porridge is the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. The lumpy porridge that Corin makes. Uh, oh yes at camp yes <laughs> sounds really gross yeah <laughs> um yeah and uh yeah that's really about it just like a variety of gruels and breads and things they do when they f- on her first dinner after she and neil go to the the dining hall after they're chosen to work work together to mm-hmm. be pals um <laughs> Tamara does describe the meal. She has Tamara. ham. She has like a pea soup. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, ham and pea soup. That's good. That's good stuff. I know. It sounded great. I love me some pea soup with ham. I've got, I, I, I opened one page away from the page that describes this meal, which I think tells you how important Grace has a, a radar for it. I uh, have a gift. <clears throat> Kel soon had a bowl of soup thick with leeks and barley. I was wrong about the bees. Big slices of ham, a crusty roll still hot from the oven, and saffron rice studded with raisins and almonds. She had noticed pitchers of liquids, bowls of fruit, honey pots, and platters of cheese were already on the table. That sounds good. I'm really hungry. Oh, my gosh. Those pages eat well. See, and, well, yeah, they probably get a better dinner the first night, I feel like there's probably more of a welcome dinner. Yeah, yeah right. I don't think it's more that, variety. I don't think it's that amazing going forward. Um, but uh, this is why I wish there was more food descriptions because that's a great paragraph. Sounds really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll make saffron rice tonight. It sounds really good. With saffron rice is delicious. Yeah, yeah. It sounds delicious. Um, other food shout out. Food playing an important role is when Merrick is carrying the pitcher with milk and glasses and Joran knocks it out of his hands. Mm. That's his name, Merrick, right? Yeah, I remember. Okay. Um, Which is the inciting incident that leads to Kel deciding she's going to stand up to the bullies because she turns and runs when she encounters them Mm -hmm. and is so filled with, guilt over what she's done she and also she just has to go over that disgust with herself and with the state of affairs yeah. um, that she decides to go out looking for trouble every night during study hour and to uh, beat up some bullies yeah. and it, it's really really fun to go along for so i think that pitcher of milk deserves a shout out from us yeah we're pretty light on the pretend food <laughs> episode but it is important to mention okay yeah yeah. um i think that is it Mm -hmm. um another incredible indelible series by tamara pierce um i think that we are gonna read the other protector of the small books they're also they're fast reads yeah um i faster than than the Dane and Alana books, I would say. Although the first book in each series is always pretty quick. Yeah. Um, so maybe we'll do a wrap up about the whole series once we have time to reread them all. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would be fun. Let us know if you guys would be into that. Um, in the meantime, we have another special episode that's going to be coming out in the next week. Um, maybe before this episode comes out, if it does, you'll know what it is. But <laughs> it's about a certain big budget big studio adaptation of a beloved book by an author that we've covered that Has sounds like it's a bad movie so oh, no. our plan seriously yeah our I plan has that. been to go see it since we first heard that it was going to be made so we're going to stick to that um, um, and we'll talk a bit about our thoughts 
yeah, so look for that. Um, thanks so much, you guys, for reaching out, for your tweets, comments on Instagram, your emails. They make us super happy and show us that this project is one that makes sense to continue doing. <laughs> Although, you know, we have such a good time Yeah, we derive this, such enjoyment from this. Know, if we had a, a single listener we'd still continue but uh you know we got like 20 listeners <laughs> thanks <Great>. guys <laughs> no seriously in all seriousness seriously how many more times can i say seriously we definitely uh, have more than 20 listeners last month was a really good month for us and our listenership grew a lot and we heard from a ton of people and that is all thanks to you so we really really appreciate it um, please, our best way to give back is to do one of your requested books. And we've got those coming. So if you have, send us a tweet or an email or something like that, or a review, your books are coming. So get excited. Keep listening. Um, and if you haven't, please get in touch. Let us know what you want to hear, what we should read. Yeah. Um, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time. Bye.